0: and what it's like to have your whole life turned upside down and the unexpected challenges that come with a life-saving drug. You can listen to Breathless now wherever you get your podcasts. Ready for another day of podcasting. It's
2: always a little better
0: after that. It is.
2: Yeah, I'm ready.
0: Uh, For folks at home listening or watching, if you're watching on Patreon, patreon.com slash termion, thanks for your support. Um, We are here at the Sick Boy headquarters and there is construction going on. So you might hear... Some bangs and some zings and some whirs. You were
2: saying you feel fried. Do you think that has anything to do with it?
0: No, because I haven't been here very much over the last few days.
2: Because of that?
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah we canceled a couple interviews okay. and... uh Yeah,
2: because it reminds me of the living experience we had when we first moved to Halifax and we lived on the third floor of like a high rise building. But they were doing jackhammering in the parking garage underneath us. And it sounded like it was in our apartment.
0: It was so stressful that our cats.
2: My cat lost his mind.
0: Licked their bellies. Oh,
2: that's right.
0: They both licked. They both started. (laughs) They both developed this like neuroses where they started to lick their bellies constantly and they licked it so much that they licked all the fur off their bellies we had to we had to vacate that place bad actually it was so perfect because we got big b may he rest in peace had a dream about him the other night we we got big b and we were living in a in a in an apartment that didn't allow dogs Mm -hmm. and so (laughs) so i went to the I went to my doctor. That's right. Went to like the CF clinic.
2: Mm -hmm. And
0: I was like, yo, listen, there's smoking units in my building. And I think it's fucking with my lungs. And the physician was like, oh, Oh, yeah, you can't live there. That's you can't live there. I'll uh, I'll sign a doctor's note. And we brought that note to the.
2: To the office of the building and they were like, mm, I don't know. And I was like, no, I think you do. I think you got to let us out of our lease early. And like, <laughs> so they did. And we got out
0: of there. The cats didn't go so crazy. Any The cats didn't get any more crazy, but I think that fucked them up pretty bad. I
2: don't know. Remember then Vonnegut had that weird stage where it was like he was a feral cat like he had never eaten before? Yeah. So because then we moved from Halifax to Salt Spring Island. Yeah. And we had that whole period of time when he was like, the minute you take out food, he was like on the counter, like over your shoulder, like eating like between your fingers, like he's so desperate.
0: Yeah. That noise.
2: Well, you find that annoying?
0: Jesus Christ. That's the kind of Oh my god. That fuck's sakes i mean you just gotta talk over it there's no this is the fucking thing there's no there is no stopping it It, can
2: our listeners hear that
0: oh fuck yeah are you kidding me hell yeah they can
2: sorry friends we won't keep you too long today with this
3: oh for fuck's sake
2: (laughs) this is the thing this is the kind of thing that makes a little bit of itchiness on my eczema feel like it's a lot br- of itchiness. Like my arms yeah. and legs are on fire.
0: Speaking of noises, <clears throat> that kind of like <laughs> uh, that kind of throw a wrench into your thinking process. We're like, you're, <laughs> God damn it! Thank you. <laughs> um, which is funny they can hear me. Yeah, of course that. they can. Uh, speaking of noises, do you ever do you ever notice? I've been I've noticed this a couple of times uh, as of late. I've noticed this plenty of times in my life, but it's happened a couple of times as of late. And every time it does, I make this like quick mental note where I go, oh, "That's really interesting that that happens." Um, have, are you ever like having sex, and the the motion of the the sex is causing some sort of creak or, or like noise? Uh-huh. Typically, it's like on a bed, and it's like the headboard going or like. You know, something of that sort. Yeah. Where it's like, it wasn't happening, it wasn't present, but then there's a position that changed, and now it's happening.
2: And now it's more like a.
0: Yeah. No, so it's, so it's, so now it wasn't present, and now it is present. And then when it's present, it's like, it almost pulls you out of the experience because you're like, well, I don't know what it is. I have a hard time. Continuing to have that noise going. Right. Were we talking about misophonia on this show? Yeah. Like yeah, yeah. last week? Yeah. Is that my misophonia or is it, does everyone, is it kind of a collective experience where when that happens, you kind of go, I don't want that here. I don't want that in this space.
2: <laughs> uh, I don't know because I, like, I know our brains pick up on like patterns. Yeah. So I don't, but usually I find patterns to be quite... <clears throat> hypnotic as opposed to distracting. Sure. Whereas like, say you have a dripping tap and it's not like a regular drip, drip. Mm. It's like drip, drip, drip,
0: Yeah. Drip. yeah. That- That's fucking, get that shit out of here. Yeah, exactly. But this is what I mean in that <clears throat> it was, it, the, the creaking that was not present the entire time. So when it, when it, inter- when it's like it interrupts the flow of the sexual pleasure. Yeah. It must stop. Right. Or else we you, change, you like, get fixated on.
2: Your vagina dries up. You, you lose your heart shrivels on. shrivels up. <laughs> uh, that makes sense to me. That definitely makes sense to me. But I mean, I Have don't. Have you ever
0: noticed it? Have you ever like no. been in a, You've never really noticed it? I've
2: noticed it. No, no, not in sound. I've, I've felt it in sensation where I'm like, um, this sensation has to stop because I'm like.
0: Sure, 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 sure.
2: Like. It, the repetitiveness of this movement this thing. is not I'm working tired. For It's me. tiresome. Yeah, yeah. yeah,
0: no, no. But I'm, I'm specifically like, I get it's that. a sound. It's the sound thing. And I've been thinking about it a lot because I've got this janky bed. Yeah, you and do. And it's been, it's, fun, it's comfy. It's a comfy bed, but it's it's slightly janky. And so, and on concrete floors, I'm noticing how much the bed shifts.
2: Yeah. Just put your mattress on the floor, old school style.
0: No, no, I'm <laughs> a 33-year-old man now.
2: Um. Yeah, that's that sounds annoying. But is that so? That's happening on the on the on the slatted bed. Yeah, Uh,
0: I'm sorry. I think it's the headboard. Uh, Well, I mean, I mean, it. it, Again, I can I can stop it. Yeah, I do stop it.
2: How? Uh, stuff, pair underwear. No, 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 no. No,
0: Like while I'm while I'm in while I'm making love, I (laughs) will. And I hear that noise. I will then grab the headboard and use that as like leverage. It can, I mean, it kind of works. I mean, in that's my
2: probably favorite. how it started. Just you, the me, wiggling just fucking the, rank. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. yeah right. No, yeah,
2: maybe I, I haven't noticed that. <clears throat> um. Oh man, sex. I could have some of that. Uh, you know, actually, let me. <laughs> it's been it's been a little bit a because of my skin, oh, and I've yeah, just right. been like, don't fucking touch me. Like yeah. my skin feels like sandpaper, and um. And so I haven't had that kind of sex in a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was just listening to a podcast this morning. So I, tr- I learned about this new podcast because they liked one of our posts about human connections through touch. Cool. They're called the Pleasure Mechanics. And they've been around. Neat. I think it's a she. She's been around since like 2006 doing this. So this is a long time.
0: That is a long time yeah. podcasting.
2: And they they commented on posts like great to see this, love like intentional touch, you know, encouraging that, et cetera, et cetera. And then messaged us to say, check out our like couples massage uh workshops that we do, which is very complimentary to what we did um mm-hmm. a couple of weeks ago. And uh so I started listening to the podcast and um I've only a couple of episodes in, but there's some really good stuff in there. And the one I was listening to this morning I Me mean, just burped into the microphone. I love
0: that noise. That, that like it wasn't even a burp, it's it just like that chest. throat thing that goes. <laughs> <Yeah.
2: up>. Um, <laughs> I do sounds like, like you
0: it. run your fucking nail like up a washing board, <laughs> <laughs> blah,
3: blah, blah, blah.
2: just air escaping from my body. Um, the most recent okay, so yeah, sorry. The name of the podcast is called Speaking of Sex with the Pleasure Mechanics.
0: Okay, oh. Oh yeah, okay. Like okay. the pleasure mechanics, like mechanics working on a car, not mechanics as in the the mechanics like the of, a, of a the mechanics of a yeah. video game or something.
2: Right? Yeah, yeah. So this episode was released March twenty third of this year, um, and it's an interview with Emily Nagoski. She was uh, Emily wrote um, "Come as You Are," which is like one of those. You and I'm saying it's a must read. I have not read it. It's, a, it's one of those must read books on like on any sort of path of like um, sort of upgrading your sexual education being like, sure. you know, and 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 it was an interesting conversation. But one of the things that stuck out to me and it's been on my mind for a while previous to this is this concept of desire and like what where desire comes from because we've you know, most of us have been in re- new relationships where it's like super lusty. And, yeah. like, we want all the sex and we want it all the time. But then when that runs out, um, there's, so basically I, I'm, I'm curious, like, where does desire come from? Like the libido, like sex drive. And one of the things she said in it is that sex drive isn't a drive, like hunger and survival is a, is a drive, mm. but it, it's like a human, um, experience that we like want, um, so it's not necessary for survival, but we, you know, we want to do it. So she was saying about desire, l- the kind that we're familiar with in in um, new relationships, and that a lot of us have been sort of raised to think is like the the good way or like the best way to experience desire, being spontaneous desire, like, ugh, like I want you, like I, I like I'm I'm turned on, yes, and it's like. Just by the the sight of the thought of you, exactly. Yeah, but then she she introduces this this other kind of desire called responsive desire, and responsive desire isn't like um, is is being turned on because or when you're all when you're experiencing pleasure. So for example, like, like
0: you're receiving a massage. Exactly. And, the, and there's no sex. it's not a sexual thing. It's just like, babe, can you get this knot out of my back? And they're like, yeah, sure. Lay on the bed and I'll do that. And then you're doing that. And then that's like, that starts to stimulate like a, man, this feels good. And mm-hmm. you know, would feel even better is if we both did this without our clothes on and inside each other.
2: Yeah. Right. Yeah, totally. Well, I'm so glad you bring up that example because that's the perfect one. And I've I've said, you know, in my own struggle with like libido, I'm trying to say like as much, we get called out one of our iTunes reviews for.
0: We're mm-hmm. saying like?
2: Yeah, I say like too much.
0: Oh, shut the fuck up. <laughs> Who the fuck is reviewing that shit on iTunes?
2: <laughs> they want to dis- uh, they want a date on us anyway. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. Um <laughs> so if you're hearing fuck this off. and you haven't left, left us a review go on over Apple iTunes and and leave us a we'll review. Scrub that like one. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, drive it down into the <laughs> the uh cave. You say like too much. Well,
0: you know what? Actually That, you know what? No, no. No, I got a problem with that. I got a problem with that. Because you know what? You do. Don't fucking tell anyone how they should fucking talk. Mm. Don't fucking tell anyone they swear too much. Don't fucking tell anyone they say like too much. Just let people be. Let people <laughs> express with the words that feel good to them. Because it, 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 it's like, what, is this whats this your fucking fight? Is this the thing <laughs> you want to fight for?
2: Is this the hell you want to die this, on? It? Shut up,
0: you fucking muppet. Whatever. No, they
2: wanted to hate on what us. What a anyway. ding dong, <laughs> ding dong! What a fuddy duddy, fucking
0: fuddy duddy! If you ask me.
2: <laughs> um. So I don't know where I was at, but basically, yes. So with desire, with my own desire, with my own libido, with my own sex drive, and I'm trying to like, how do I get more spontaneously <clears throat> turned on? Right. You know.
0: Um. In this In this podcast, do they have do like. Do they talk about examples of other. Cause like the, the massage one totally makes sense. Right. To me. And it's that the makes thing a lot of that sense I to ask me.
2: for the most.
0: Another thing that makes sense to me is like taking a nap. <laughs> oh yeah. Taking a nap in the middle of the day. It's just like, all right. Are like, are, who, who are we fucking kidding? Yeah. Here? Are we going to take a nap or we're going to lay in the bed and on the couch eventually. and spoon. I'm going to rub my butt up against your yeah, it's like, pelvis this a little is, bit. This is just yeah. immediately going to like turn somebody on. Yeah. Uh, but or making uh, out. Yeah, totally making out. But like, are there other ones that, because like making out and like spooning, are there, there, I, be... are there some that just like maybe aren't as obvious to me?
2: Well, they they don't talk about it in the podcast, but I was thinking specifically about some of the people mm-hmm. that we know and love that are really, um, that I, I look up to in terms of their ability to find pleasure in the everyday. So one of them is my sister, Tara. Right. You know, like she'll just like, She'll stare f- at she'll, a tulip.
0: Yeah, for she'll five orgasm minutes. over a matcha fucking <laughs> but, latte.
2: But that kind of appreciation yeah, yeah. and like noticing of things. Mm-hmm. But I think too like I think too that it would be uh beneficial to experience those moments with a partner. So I was thinking, yeah, enjoying f- some enjoying like having a sensual experience of food together where you're like where you're really intentionally having it Mm. talking about it
0: i mean yeah you say that and it reminds me of the experience of psychedelics you know Mm. it's like that that's sort of the mindset that i always tend to fall into when i'm when i'm high like when i'm when i'm exploring my brain on psychedelics i'm i'm like you know, it's the, it's a fucking classic old thing where you're like, oh my God, I've never noticed the, never noticed all the different shades of green on this plant. Like this is fucking crazy. And then, you know, you kind of go into that, that way deeper s- sensation of deriving pleasure from the, s- the constant stimuli that you're always experiencing every day, but take for granted or just don't really notice. Um,
2: that reminds me of a time that we did m d m a together in Toronto and went mm. to the Botanical Gardens,
0: oh
3: my God,
2: and I was yeah. like, i'm gonna hug this cactus like <laughs> yeah, I just yeah, wanted yeah. all the sensations yeah. poor Toronto we're i sending our love to our Toronto listeners, <sighs> Ontario and Quebec as well, and I read Alberta the funniest fucking BC. I read the
0: funniest tweet the other day that was. I can't believe this is the Ford brother who doesn't smoke crack.
2: (laughs) Oh, that's not, I mean, that's, that's that's funny. That's a fun, that's funny. That's
0: a funny tweet. Yeah. Uh, it is. It's a, it's a rough, it's man. It's just like, and it's so easy to forget being in this little bubble of ours, you know?
2: Yeah. I just listening to the news, it feels like it's a different planet.
0: It's so, I, I, there was also another really funny thing that my, that Jeff, uh, my, our manager, uh, (laughs) texted the group at uh, me and the guys this morning and it was a screenshot of someone's story of the front page of the Chronicle Herald, which is like a uh, n- uh, newspaper here in, in Nova Scotia. <clears throat> and it, it, the, the caption of the person's story said um uh, something like to the effect of like when they tell you the no- the news in Nova Scotia hits a bit different and the, the, the headline like the the front page of the paper today was like woman who can't burp finds cure <laughs> and i was like man yeah riveting yeah <laughs> <laughs> riveting that that is like dartmouth woman finds cure for no not being able to burp and There's there's Just people, just the highest amounts of ICU patients ever in, in Ontario right now.
2: I, uh, yeah. (sighs) Fuck. We love you. We
0: live in a simulation.
2: Take care of yourselves out there. Um,
0: I think we are going to try to get that lady who found the cure to not being able to burp the one sick boys. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah,
2: That's a perfect fit. It's great. I wonder if it will affect her.
0: She went to Chicago for it.
2: (laughs) This is I'm real, trying real... to imagine what how being afflicted with the inability to burp would. Oh, think about impact.
0: This for, that would fucking suck. Think about when you have a burp that's trapped and you can't get it out. Do you know that? Have you ever had that yeah, sensation? Well,
2: not. I can't. I've had bad gas that doesn't know how to escape my body. I think it's
0: kind of like that, but like in your esophagus, dude.
2: Okay. Well, that yeah, I suppose that's uncomfortable. It probably provides you with a little like the a bit or,
0: you, you definitely discomfort. would get this think about the feeling of going i have to fucking sneeze right now but i can't sneeze no that's annoying it's super annoying right now think about that I mean, now, here's the thing i never <laughs> read the fucking article I was, just, I was just a little headline horror with it but so i have no idea i'm just guessing i fucking hope there's at least a story here like, <laughs> like right. if that's the we'll story out on, on the boy. front page <laughs> it better be torturous
2: man oh man oh man
0: if that lady's listening right yeah. now, or
2: as my but my grandmother would say, boys oh boys, boys oh boys, oh, boys, oh,
0: boys, oh. boys, oh, boys oh.
2: Hey, can we talk about Bill? I guess so. Yeah. Um, so we we lost a member of our extended family yesterday. a uh, <coughs> lovely old gentleman named Bill. Yep. Um, he was a really really sweet man, and he uh, was probably in his what mid eighties.
0: Yeah, I think so.
2: And he came into our lives. Almost four years ago, um, when he met your nan
0: yeah.
2: and on a on a dating site.
0: No, they were <laughs> no no they were uh, so my nan my my pop died oh fuck I don't know like nine years ago now, a while ago and uh, and my nan um, was all by herself. lonesome and so <clears throat> I think I think my mom at the time was like encouraging my nan to get out. And be social and she was going to this like sort of, um, you know, like seniors, el- seniors elderly, games s- night, like games night support. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. sort of social Card party. night. Um, and that's where I believe that's where she met Bill, who also um, was a. So my name was a widow and Bill was a widower widower. Um, Uh, he had, he had lost, I don't know what the, I I think it's still a widow. Is it a widow? Yeah. I thought a widow was like. A
2: widower, maybe. Yeah. I'm going to Google it while you're talking.
0: Anyway. So Bill lost his wife and, uh, not too long at this, not too long ago at this time when he met my nan. A widower. And they, uh, they hit it off and, and started dating and moved in with each other and fell in love. And, um, and he was just a real sweet, sweet guy. And my nan is, is. Sweet doesn't even begin to uh really describe it. She's a she's she is uh a,
2: a darling,
0: just a darling human. And <clears throat> it's really rough like to see. You know, we all knew he was passing, uh, that he didn't have much time left, but man, oh man. It's just like just the sad, I just felt so bad for my nan, you know. Like I just can't imagine losing two to people that mean so much to you, uh, just like sort of back to back, you know, Mm -hmm. like to go through that experience once is a, is a lot. And then to just have to go through it again like that. And fuck, man, like that's one of the things that when I think about getting old, like I'm, I, and, and the, the potential of not having to get old, like that's one of the things where I go, well, thank God. Thank God. I don't have to fucking deal with that shit, you know, to like see, all your loved ones mm. slowly fade away.
2: Yeah. It's gonna happen yeah. in one way or another. I yeah. it's funny you brought up you were you were missing Big B or you had a dream about Big B the other night. Mm. I've been thinking about Big B so much and like feeling kind of emotional about it for the first time, almost mm. like since we 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 lost him, but um funnily enough, I don't know if this has anything to do with it, probably my sister came over, she's recording an album in Nova Scotia here, but she came over from PEI and she brought Bigby's ashes, which my mom has had.
0: Oh, right. And
2: so there I have them. And, um, after last week's conversation with, with Carrie Isham on, um, sex ed for kids, I, there's just, I've been thinking about our nieces and nephews and I've been thinking about what our responsibility is as like their aunts and uncles Mm -hmm. to, to not only them, but to their parents as well. like, parents have a lot on their plate. They have a lot to like teach their kids about. And like one of the big things that I think of with my nieces and nephews is like exposing them to like death and grief and letting them see those things as like (sighs) ordinary and necessary parts of being alive and being a human being and loving. Um, So, So that's kind of why I bring, tie that into it is, is, you know, when I, when I think about things that like, I, I personally, so your mom had asked me if I would be sort of a caretaker of Bill Mm -hmm. for, with her, um, while he was passing. And I didn't get the opportunity because he passed much quicker than I thought. I was thinking about, you know, what kind of person, um, can do those things like can show up in that way for loved ones mm-hmm. because, you know, I did that with my dad. I I would have done that in a heartbeat for my grandmother. Um, if she needed that, but she just went so quickly. Um, you know, and I think about that as a, you know, potential part of our future as well. Mm-hmm. Um, for you and, Uh, and then of course my mom and all these people. And I know that that kind of work is not for everybody, Mm. but there is something to me that Mm. seems like a real natural fit for myself as, as a care, like I am, I love to give care. Mm. Um, and I wanted to, yeah, I just wanted to talk to you about it on, on the podcast because I was wondering, you know, given the conversation we had last week uh, about about you know educating kids and and letting them ha- have information and be informed, um, and then I asked you I think yesterday or something if you wanted to invite your nephews to take part in sort of spreading Bigby's ashes somewhere mm. and introducing them to that.
0: When you said the bo- you said the boys in the text, you were like, we should include the boys. I was Is like, Brian and Taylor. Does she mean Brian and Taylor? Does she mean the like the kids? The-
2: what did you think I meant?
0: Uh, I, I, I assumed you meant the kids, but I was like, she could also mean Brian and Taylor, so I don't really know. But anyway, yeah, I get it.
2: Um, Yeah, and <clears throat> I wanted to bring that up because I don't know if there's something about death and sex that are both sort of those more difficult conversations that, like, are worthwhile being sort of the champions of in our familial
0: yeah well i mean they are the two things that we don't you know there's no talking about last week's episode with carrie there is no sexual education right now like that like that proper sexual education in this country uh in the united states like it doesn't exist unless you're receiving it from people like carrie which is a very minuscule fraction of the population yeah So we don't have the conversations surrounding consent, sexuality, gender, those things aren't happening. The exact same thing can be said for death. We just don't have those conversations. It's not a part of our, it's not a part of our upbringing. It's not a part of our, like, you know, um, Everyday discussion, it's it's we we just we just fall into the same trappings every generation, which develops this like you know death phobia that's continued on for years and years and years, and you have people out there trying to change that. You know, people people who are working in the death trade, people who are trying to normalize those types of conversations whether they're you know um working in the funeral um business or palliative care or you know death doulas like those kinds of folks are out there pushing for those conversations but again super small fraction of the population and no one's really having the conversations because uh, you know whatever we just don't want to face it Mm. um yeah
2: i i think that there's probably something about the way the models we have of of grief um like i always think about estelle when i think about Mm. like who makes not who makes something out of grief but who who has like been to the bottom of their Mm -hmm. like heart and and back again
0: estelle is a mutual friend of ours who's uh who's young, very young son passed away and, uh, and has made a lot of art surrounding that experience and has talked openly about that experience in, in the community and has made, you know, quite an impact on a lot of people's lives for the work that she's done. So yeah. Yeah.
2: And to bring it back to Bill and your nan, I, I, I was wondering what you think about the phrase old love came up in my mind and old love is the name of a Norm Foster play Mm. as well um but old love like when you know like your nan lost her husband of many 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 years Mm -hmm. and then fell in love with someone else got into a relationship with them i wonder i would love to ask her maybe not like today but ask her what kind of thoughts she had about Getting into another relationship and mm. in these sort of later, very later life, um, knowing he was he and then when he got sick, mm-hmm. knowing he was going to be sick, you know, she took care of her, your pop for many years. Yeah. Just what I would love to mine her experience for fall allow allowing yourself to fall in love with someone you you know is. Mm going to also we are of the nature to get sick we are of the mm-hmm. nature to die
0: yeah i'd be curious to know what she says she's she not a very talkative much. lady no. so yeah. so just i mean hearing her say anything would be quite fascinating <laughs> <laughs> she's so fucking quiet Has she always
2: been quiet her always. whole life oh yeah yeah always i she just it.
0: she just listens she just likes to listen and, and even when,
2: when she does talk, her mouth doesn't move very no, often. No. And you have to like get really good. Yeah, and she's got she's got her.
0: fucking like Seal Cove Newfoundland, rural Newfoundland accent. So you're like, if you're not if you're not familiar with that, you're you're just like, What did she say? Do yeah. You know?
2: I probably had like an exchange of twenty-five total words with yeah, your nan. But yeah. somehow we know that she's a dear maybe she's awful. Maybe she has a cold, cold <laughs> total heart. <witch>. Yeah.
0: <laughs> well no, no, she's not. She's sweet. She's my nan. And she loves when I have a beard.
2: She loves when you have a beard.
0: She loves when my beard is long.
2: Really? Yeah, she'll
0: come up and she'll rub her face right <laughs> into my beard.
2: She always tries to kiss me right on the mouth.
0: Oh yeah, she loves. She loves those wet kisses.
2: Yeah, that's funny. My grandmother did not like beards. She would be like, you still." She was blind as a bat, but she could. You could tell that but I
3: had beards. Yeah, that I had you. When she met Todd, she was, like, you, you she Todd. She was yeah. like,
2: "Well, maybe next time you come, you should shave. You shave for me." That's funny. She had like a yeah, nice like, smooth funny. face. Yeah, uh, I <clears> love. <throat>
0: Yeah, well, maybe, maybe we'll have a conversation with Nan and see see what that's all about. Um, she's
2: going to meet someone else that's fascinating. She's probably going gonna to be left with several men's inheritance or life insurance. <laughs> yeah, she's yeah. just going to be, she's like, you know what? I might move to Florida. And then she goes Make down. Make a racket and- of it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I hope so.
0: Uh, you got just the tips, anything before we throw into uh, 50 plus a tip? Oh, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Do I have... Okay, here's a... Can I give you a challenge? Actually, yeah. I'm going to read you a little bit of science first. So um, today, this morning, the monthly uh, email to Moto Teachers came out from Moto Yoga International. Okay. And um, there's a section called Hot Tips for Teachers. And I read this in the yoga class that I taught I this morning. And I think I think it's a really... I noticed, I'm going to tie it in with, with making eye contact with people. I noticed well, as I was going for a walk yesterday evening that that it's always fascinated me that we walk by people and aren't fascinated that they exist. Like there was a day when if you passed someone that you didn't know, you'd be like, hi, where did you come from? Yeah, right. You know? Yeah. but. Um, But we obviously don't do that anymore. And sometimes we just, like, don't even look at each other. Um, We make eye contact. And, like, I would love to invite everybody who's listening to notice what happens when they make eye contact, whether intentionally or unintentionally with someone that they're walking by on the street. Because I know personally I I may have a moment of, like, recoiling, Mm -hmm. especially if it's a person of the opposite sex and it's nighttime and... I'm walking by myself mm. there. I, there's a like, you know, there's like, I don't want to invite no. any attention that I'm not looking for, but also I want to acknowledge there's a human being in front of me and we have masks on a lot of the time. Yeah. So I can't even just, uh, you know, I mostly, I'm just looking at someone and like <laughs> smiling, with smizing yeah. with my eyes. So my just the tips, um, is, is more of a try this and, and see how it feels. So this, this uh, just the tips for teachers is hacking the nervous system with a smile. Hmm. And I'm just going to read a little part of it because I think the science is important. When you smile, your brain releases tiny molecules called neuropeptides. And this is a massive help in fighting off stress. Then other neurotransmitters like dopamine, serotonin, and endorphins come into play too. The endorphins act as a mild pain reliever whereas the serotonin is an antidepressant. One study even suggests that smiling can help us recover faster from stress and mm. reduce our heart rate. So that's it. That's all the science I'm going to read, you, read to you. But I would <coughs> invite you over the next week until we meet again um, to maybe, if it's, if it's comfortable enough for you to make eye contact with someone as you walk by them on the street, notice how it feels. And also, then, if there's space to offer a smile, I think that that um, you know, these are times that could use mm. that, not only for yourself, but um, for the everybody you pass by. Now, I'm not I'm not saying like go smile. You look better when you smile. But if it, as long as this is not triggering for you to to, to smile at strangers, I would offer that to you. Um, because I think it change makes the world nicer.
0: I feel like that's one of the uh, one of the great things about having a new dog, a new puppy. Ugh. it's like you just in you're just like inviting that energy everywhere you go.
2: Yeah. What like when you walk your puppy?
0: Yeah, like yeah. a guy, a guy the other day. was like I was walking down to the condo, and this guy was walking his dog. This like duck taller puppy, Oof. and I was just like, uh, hi, "Can I like can I can I say hi to him?" And he was just like, "Yeah." And then I'm like talking to this dog and he's just smiling at me, smiling at the dog. And I'm looking up at him, smiling at him, going like, you're you own this thing. This I love it. You know, it's just like this very like he, he got as much joy as as I did mm. to allow me to it, to engage with his dog.
2: Yeah. Get a dog or smile at people one yeah. or the other. Uh, yeah. what, what about you? you have adjust the tips? <clears throat>
3: uh,
0: yeah. I uh, Leah and I uh, just started doing a thing together. Um uh so we this is actually really funny. Uh Leah, Leah's been asking, like, do are there any like video games we can play together? And I was like, oh fuck. Worms. Like, Hell yeah. Yeah, yeah. Worms <laughs> worms is actually a really great one. So I was looking for like video games that, that we could play together. Um and, you know, like I got in I got a PS5, um, and I'm trying to find games that are like newer just because I want to like I want to see what's what my system can do and there's not like a lot out there and and i've looked i've looked at like the lists of like here are great games to play like as couples and like some of the games on there like i've tried and uh in the past and it's like it, it's like these are like argument causing games like one's called overcooked and the whole idea is that you're two little people in your own sides of a kitchen and you're trying to like it's like high stress, like try to get the orders out and wash the dishes all going on at one. And it's just like, it always ends in, in a sort of like, like a blowout. It's too real. It's too real. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, no, no, you don't want any of that shit. And then I saw this review come out the other day. It was, it was for a video game called It Takes Two. And I was like, oh, this looks cute. Like the, like the, the, the thumbnail on YouTube looked really cutesy. And so I watched the review. And it's a, it's a review from like a video gaming website that basically like their job is to review games and, and, uh, they give it like a nine out of 10, which is like kind of a big deal. Um, uh, really high rating. And I was like, fuck that game actually looks amazing. Not really sure what the game, like the story is about just that, you know, there's these gaming mechanics that are very fun and very easy and you know, you have unlimited lives. So like you can do this thing together. And you have to work together to make it work. And it's really cute and fun. So then I'm like, yeah, sweet. I think I found a game. So I was like, hey, Leah, I, f- I think I found a game for us. And she was like, cool, what is it? And I was like, here, I'll show you the, I, there's, I'll show you a trailer so you can just see it. So this is the first time I watched the trailer. And the, the game, the game, like in the trailer, they reveal the story behind the game. And it's basically a, a couple that are, that are um, a mom and a dad that are getting a divorce. And their child doesn't want them to get a divorce. And so the child cries and has these two little dolls that she made that are representing the mom and the dad. And she gets tears on the dolls. And it's, and it's, it causes this spell reaction where it's kind of like Freaky Friday, where the parents' consciousness gets like embedded in the dolls. Okay. And now that to, in order to get out of these dolls' bodies, they have to work together to like, reverse the curse. And so the whole, g- and there's a game, there's a, there's a book, a character that's a book and it's the book that the daughter has and it's a book about making relationships work and the book basically acts as like this so- sort of like therapist between the two.
3: Oh my gosh.
0: Pushing them to do these activities. So it's like we, Leah and I have been joking that it's like, it's like, oh, this is our couples therapy. Yeah. Our cheap couples therapy. And let me tell you, for real it really is kind of like couples therapy like it is this it's so fun it is you really do have to work together and like because you're intertwined in the story and the the voice acting is amazing the soundtrack's amazing it looks really great you kind of get like swept up into this world and you i mean like any good video game should it 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 sort of transports you and so anyway, I just find like we're playing this game and then we come out and I'm like, "Oh, I feel like uh I feel like we made some good ground there." You know, like it's <laughs> it, it is this like therapeutic uh bonding sort of experience. So like and you know, Leah's not a Leah's not a gamer, yeah. you know, like Leah doesn't play video games. But she loves it. She's so into this game, uh constantly asking like if we can play. I love it because it's it's actually a very fun game and it's also really fun to play with a partner. Cool. So I'm sure there's somebody out there who's listening who loves video games as much as I do and but also like and wishes that could use some free therapy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, and could use therapy. But also like wishes that they had a, you know, a game that they could play with their partner. And anyway, this is one of those games that I think anybody should play because it's so fun and it's it's just so uh just so cute and so beautifully well done. It feels like you're playing a Pixar movie.
2: That's nice because yeah. a lot of games you're you're against each other, so it's nice to have a game where you you have to work together
0: <clears throat> yeah, and the 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 i mean little like little trivia here the the company that uh made this game they made another what's called couch co-op like like co-op two player that you sit down and you can both play in the same room couch co-op they made another couch co-op game a few years back called a way out or the way out or something, and it's I haven't played it, but it looks great it's basically two prisoners who are trying to work together to escape a prison but it's like uh, a little bit more serious um and uh probably like a little more r-rated whereas yeah. like this game it takes two is definitely like uh more kid friendly although they do they do have like they've they've got some potty mouths on them those those two parents
2: can you so, can you select the can it be like two moms No,
0: the story is a mom and a dad. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's a pretty like linear fixed story. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Sounds sounds neat. It takes two. Highly recommend it. And I think it's like on all platforms. So there you go. Also, this is fucking sounded like an ad for it takes two.
2: (laughs) It (laughs) takes two, baby. Um,
0: Speaking of just the tips, this is a conversation that we had with Danny and Riley from the 50 plus a tip podcast. A podcast for and by and by sex workers. Yep. Um, I was trying to remember the tagline, which is like a podcast for a, a podcast for hoes and hoe minds or something like that. But oh, it, yeah, it was a great, t- it was a great tagline. Um, uh, they were a riot to sit and talk with. Um, Danny is a sex worker from out west. Uh, Riley also in the same boat and, uh, they're two good friends. Technically it's Danny's podcast, but I feel like Riley has kind of like inserted herself into becoming a co -co Co co-host, even though, even though that might technically not be the truth. It's probably, it's probably going to end up that in a few months. We look at their Instagram and see that it's both their podcast. They have
2: a good, they have a good dynamic. They got
0: a good thing going. Um, and we had a lot of fun talking to them and, uh, think that you will enjoy this and hopefully you do as much as we did. And, uh, I think uh yeah we'll leave it at that we'll see you all on the other side
3: boom
2: to well, i listened to a recent podcast episode um where you said you were going to be talking to us i'm glad i picked that one. Oh, this is relatable
0: uh and the podcast you were referring to Bridie, is 50 plus a tip podcast um ladies why don't why don't you just do our work for us and <laughs> and give us give our, our listeners a little intro what is 50 plus a tip all about
1: Yeah. So I started the podcast because I really wanted to create a safe space for sex workers to have a voice. Um, I was really sick of hearing all the negative stigma and the complete like false representation on um, media and movies and TV. And me and my girlfriend sitting there being like, that's not true. That's not us. Um, And mostly just representation of like on street sex work. And I was guest lecturing at local universities and a lot of the kids or students had really great questions. And I was like, if they have great questions, I bet a lot of people have great questions and a lot Mm. of people want to hear these answers. Um, So I started the podcast really wanting to give sex workers a voice and have a safe space for them. As it's progressed, I've kind of just opened up to just sexuality in general. So we've had uh, transgender fathers coming on with their children and talking about that, um, that experience we've had um, drag superstars, We've had women, you know, 30 years into a marriage exploring their sexuality and maybe wanting to explore outside their marriage and how that looks. Uh, So yeah, it's kind of just a safe space now for people that are, in quotes, outside the norm to talk about their sexuality. Uh,
0: First of all, I just want to make a comment about how much I love the tagline for the podcast, a podcast for strippers and other open-minded hoes. Um, (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's so perfect. Uh, Danny, uh, what, so uh, like... Okay, uh, I hear all that. And this sounds, <laughs> this sounds like a great space for people to come come on and, and talk about uh, any and all of these issues. But what, uh, uh, what what makes you the person to start this podcast? Do you, are, are you, like you say, you were lecturing at local universities. What's your background and what do you do for a living? Outside right, yeah, of podcasting, that. what do you do for a living? I guess? <laughs>
1: I know know nothing about nothing. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Yeah, I have um, seven years experience in sex work, uh, primarily or predominantly exotic dancing and escorting. Um, I graduated with distinction with a psychology degree and paralegal. Uh, I guest lecture at local universities on the topic and I host the podcast at 50 plus a tip and sex worker uh, book club and host lap dance workshops. So pretty much all of my life has to do with, <laughs> with the sex and sex work.
0: No Pop dance kidding. workshops. That sounds fucking fun. Yeah. They're, yeah. They're a good time.
2: <laughs> I, I'm i really curious about the university lecture portion of this. Like mm. um, in terms of like sex work visibility or sex workers, like visibility and being able to just be like, this is a legitimate career. This is my job. This is what I do. This is like, you know, it's literally been around forever what is going in like when you're going into universities now and you're giving these lectures, I'm assuming it's not like career day, but it's more of like, like obviously some type of education about the industry.
1: Yeah. So I took the course back when I was doing one of my degrees several years ago. And, uh, it was a sex work legality in Canada class. Um, it was a fourth year, um, an upper level criminology course. And one of the first days I spoke to the professor, I said, you know, if I challenge you on things you're saying, it's because, you know, I'm in the industry. I'm not trying to be just like the asshole in the front of the front of the row. Um, so me and her had a lot of good um, after-class talks uh, about things. And then when she continued teaching the course at different universities, uh, she asked if I'd come on and give kind of like a face to um, what my avenues of sex work look like. And which I think is super important because mm-hmm. to be representative of, you know, someone who holds degrees, who has more behind them than just sex work and making yourself more of a a four-dimensional kind of image for them is important, I think.
2: Yeah. I mean, I, I can't imagine what that would have been like for me um, at any point in my, in the last like 10, 15 years, if someone had had in a very like approachable and relatable kind of way it was like hey this is this is out there it's not all in the in well it's it's interesting that it's it, it's tucked in like the criminology section of 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 the education but like just as literally as as work or uh, as legitimate work here is maybe things this is what it looks like this is what it can look like these are options um if if i had seen any sign of that in my growing up i think like i Jer- i've talked to jeremy about this so many times i think at 18 um i was like i think i would really like to try stripping and i went to like my first audition sure. and i was like yeah um i was just like way too scared i was in london england it was a city i didn't know and i was totally overwhelmed by it but but if there had been more openings like to towards me in that direction i feel like i feel <laughs> like i would have really enjoyed digging into that, that industry a little bit. I've always sort of been fascinated by, um, by it. Uh, so thank you for doing that. So that's primarily in, in Vancouver, I, I guess where you're at.
1: Yeah, exactly. Vancouver right here.
2: So what can you tell us then about the, like the sex work industry and legalities in, in Canada?
1: Yeah. So Pretty much in the shortest bullshit. <laughs> we have a really messed up legal system um, in a lot of different ways, but especially with regards to sex workers and our very obvious lack of rights. Um, we have a Nordic model here where we um, allegedly prosecute the buyers, or um, the buyers, mm-hmm. not the sellers, um, which is not actually the case, but that's how they presented us in a way to um, kind of go around saying, well, we we give you guys your rights to sell sex but we're going to go in a gray gray area and say what will we'll prosecute anyone who buys from you what,
0: what do you um, mean by because... nordic nordic model what what is that what is that is that uh is that based off of like uh like that's how it happens in in nordic countries like they're they allow the sex worker to to do the transaction but they but they also prosecute the the buyer is that
1: yeah, it's predominantly in those areas and they just right. call it the Nordic model here and it's what we kind of followed. Um, but yeah, it pretty much it's just a gray area. Um, there is a case called the Bedford case. Tracy Bedford um, was a sex worker and she came up, this is several years back and said, you know, this violates our fundamental rights of selling um, our bodies and, and doing what we want with it. Um, so they came up with Bill C-36, which was a way to um, say, okay, we heard you, so be quiet. <laughs> and then, mm-hmm. then here's all the bullshit ways we'll kind of still keep exactly what we want to do with it but pretend like we're letting you have a have a in what you do um so yeah there's a lot of a lot of fixing that needs to go on in our legal system um and i'm sure we'll get into it later but one of the reasons why sex work can be dangerous is predominantly because of the way our, our laws are
0: yeah right turn me on podcast we'll be back after this short break you know I, I know that with covid um sort of shaking the the foundation of the entire planet um it seems that you know for better or for worse it, the pandemic has also started to shift the landscape when it comes to a lot of laws um and and the ways that we we look at sort of um you know, income and and the ways that people live their lives day to day. Like are we are we are we in any kind of place where we're headed in the right direction when it comes to legalities surrounding sex work or or are we pretty much like at a stalemate here in Canada?
1: Um I mean it's great to be optimistic. <laughs> That's yeah, a lovely yeah, right. thing. Right. Um there is um, different acts coming out like the PCPA, um protected persons act. And we have a new um, anti-porn it's supposed to be. And I, I need to learn more about it. It's more of a new thing coming up. Um, but it, the idea is that it's protecting younger people from seeing porn. Um, all these ways are really, they sound nice to the general public, but they're super harmful to the industry still. Mm. And you're correct in saying that COVID did change the landscape a, quite a bit. Uh, we saw a lot of sex workers moving online, mm-hmm. but with that <laughs> came Zuckerberg and <laughs> everyone else um, right. creating all these insane um, online laws now. Right. So mm. it seems like every time sex sex workers tried to pivot and adapt, there's someone there kind of like roadblocking that and being like, Nope. <laughs> nice to try to have progress, but we're gonna stop you right there. Right. So it's been very frustrating for the community who's especially tried to go online.
0: Right. Uh Danny, how did you how did you get into sex work? Like what what's the what's your origin story?
1: Right. Uh, which is funny because I came from a very small religious community. As you know, like that's always the case. Like the classic. <laughs> yeah. Right. Catholic school girl. Yeah. No, I went to Mennonite school even worse. And um I This is back when, um, not to date myself too much, but this is back when uh, the oil rigs were doing really well in Fort Mac. Mm. Those are like the glory days of Fort Mac. And my partner at the time wanted to go work on the rigs because that was where the money was. And his uh, cousin was the bar manager at the strip club out there. So I started serving when we moved out there and the money was ridiculously good. Um, But I found the servers um, were quite caddy, and I got on really well with the dancers. So um, I'd have you know dinner and lunch with the dancers, and we get on really well. And I was like, I want to be more with these girls, and less with the caddy girls. And then I had grown up professionally or competitively dancing, uh, which I always joke my parents set me up for you know a year (laughs) in uh, life and sex work, and they're always like hilarious. (laughs) Our our hard-earned money, (laughs) great, Um, but. so then my bar manager, he kind of managed the whole club was like, do you want to start, do you want to try stripping? And I was like, well, the skirts I'm wearing already to serve, and it's pretty much like my vulva is out. So, um, why not? Mm-hmm. And yeah, i liked it from the, from the get-go. It was a great place to start Fort Mac. And then I moved back eventually to Vancouver thought I would start serving again. Cause my partner next partner wasn't as comfortable, mm-hmm. um, which is a trend you'll see in most relationships. And, mm. uh, and I couldn't do it. I was like, I'm making like one tenth the of money and people are so much more rude to servers than they are to strippers. So <laughs> fuck this. I'm going back to stripping and making more money and having more autonomy and feeling more respected. Um, so I went right back and yeah, I've been doing it since. That's, that's one, wild. I that, love that story.
0: That's one thing I always kind of, uh, have always kind of wondered about, you know, like whether, whether it be people who work in the porn industry or people who work in this, you know, Work in sex work in any kind of any sort of facet. I I always wonder about the the dating dynamics and how how that kind of plays a role in that work life because obviously it's you know obviously it can work for some people um, but then it, just as obviously it it can also it's, it also seems like it could be a pretty problematic for a lot of relationships. Um, what like what has your experience been with? Yeah, like especially. Uh, uh, <clears throat> I don't know. Maybe I'm paint, painting too broad of a brush, but I feel like there's. I feel like. I feel like there's probably a lot of people who would go. I can handle the idea of dating a stripper, but then, but then you toss in like, okay, well, how do you feel about dating an escort? And like the numbers would probably fall off quite a bit. Of like, I don't know if I could handle dating an escort. Like that's where that's where like people would probably throw their hands up um what has been your experience in terms of dating life as a sex worker like has does it make it does it make it harder or or do you do you just kind of like put that out there and it attracts the people that 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 are inherently just going to accept you for you know whatever the fuck it is that you're you're doing for for a living
1: Right. Uh, well, two two important things there. One, I'm sure you guys have touched on this before. A sex worker is an umbrella term, right, for yeah, um, right. all avenues of the sex work industry. And then with escorting and prostitution uh, being two vastly different things, even though people like to muddle them together. Um, escorting being paid time, so lunches, dinners, dates. Um, mm-hmm. Prostitution meaning um, actual paid sex, mm-hmm. right? So while you can do both. Um, someone who just escorts like myself is just paid time um unfortunately because of that very muddled view of the two when I tell a gentleman caller or, you know someone to go on a date with or a woman that I'm an escort they go oh she fucks for money mm. not the case that's not what it is um but then they you try explain to them and if they're usually a square they'll be like oh okay sure 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 <laughs> like they don't really the concept of being paid to go for a dinner date is so far from people's mind um Long story short, it's really shitty. If you've been to Vancouver, dating here just sucks in general. <laughs> but especially adding on the idea of anyone who's remotely insecure or has trust issues to be like, okay, well, that's great. But also, I spend most of my time and how I get my money is being adored or wanted by other people. Um, it's really hard to explain to someone who's not in the industry how much we compartmentalize our work and that it really is a job to us. You know, I'm Danica from these hours and then I'm me and in in my free time. Um, And that when you're with a client, no matter how wonderful they are or attractive or X, Y, and Z, um, there's still a level of professionalism in your mind Mm. Um, that it really is a job. But um, Riley has probably a better, a better current story to tell you because she is successfully in a relationship with a very lovely gentleman. Um, we had him on the podcast a couple weeks back, so I'll let Riley take it from here. That's
2: great. (laughs) Uh, I was like, we got to get, we got to get over there because Riley's now sitting there and uh, I want, I want Riley's origin (laughs) story as well.
4: (laughs) I'm just sitting here, like nodding, nodding along. Like, (laughs) yeah, yeah. um yeah no i i did it i am in a relationship that was a success but um we kind of do have this thing in the industry where everyone wants to fuck a stripper no one wants to date a stripper sorry are mm. we, we're allowed to swear on the podcast
3: oh yeah absolutely not
2: <laughs> i hope <we> fucking are <laughs>
4: <laughs> um yeah so you know even, especially if you meet a guy at the strip club or a girl at the strip club, it's all fun and games until a couple of weeks down the track, they don't understand why you're still stripping.
3: Mm. Like it, you were
4: just going to quit the job as soon as someone like a captain save a hoe kind of saved you from this
2: uh-huh. terrible
4: career. Um, and then it's typically the first thing that comes up in a fight. Like you get into a fight and then suddenly it's, you're a fucking whore anyway. Like, mm. so mm. yeah, I, you do it like i I have always been pretty open about what I do, and you do tend to attract people who are comfortable with it, and the people that aren't comfortable with it exit your
0: life pretty quickly is yeah. it one of those things where like um and Danny you you kind of alluded to this but like it is it does it sort of force you not force you but does it sort of nudge you in the in the direction more so of of kind of dating people who are in some way or another, you know, within the industry or like adjacent to the industry?
1: Um, I yeah, mean, I, think I so. don't typically...
0: Yeah, both of you answer the exact same time. <laughs> I, I, let's do that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I've typically dated people that don't live a square lifestyle mm. um, you know they don't work a nine to five um, which is probably the easiest I find because um, if they work nine to five and then you're going to the club you know five to three like mm. you don't have much of any time to spend together which wears on a relationship for sure. Um, I had a partner before who would join me with um, certain sex work um, opportunities and that was good. It kind of helped him understand how much it is possible to compartmentalize the two. Um, but me, me and Riley have very different types of men and women, mm-hmm. so that works well. Um, Rileys are probably much nicer to, to date.
4: <laughs> yeah, uh, my current partner is probably the most vanilla person I have met in my entire life, but he is very supportive and very accepting of what I do. Uh, and ultimately, yeah, that kind of is what you're, you're going for. So yeah. Is he, much- is, he an,
0: is he an accountant by chance? <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. Better. <laughs> <Isn't an accountant?
0: laughs>
2: he's actually a, he's a brewer.
0: Oh, fuck. Yeah. All right. Sweet. Yeah.
2: <clears throat> well, he's got his thing then he's got his, his, uh, focus, but, um, okay. So I, I have a question about stigma. Um, because of because I I am curious about how it sort of shows up within personal relationships as well as in the greater like public because um, I've found uh, over the last couple of years my own sort of observation of my relationships like one of the big questions in my mind is like where does like How am I being affected by the patriarchy? Like, what does that look like societally and systemically? But also, what does that look like in my own house, in like in my own home? And where do those dynamics as they play out within my personal relationship or even in my relationships with other family members? So I I was wondering if you could speak to like that sort of the, the types of of stigma like you you you're like whatever you're a whore anyway i can totally see that like just it's so like the low-hanging fruit is just like something to throw but what in in what in what other ways um i guess are do does stigma sort of rear its head within relationships and then also like in the greater picture of our culture
1: um, I think with relationships, like that's the biggest one. I think I'm obviously like a very outspoken person, and I really do care to be an advocate for sex workers' rights and proper representation. Um, again, important to note that we talk from a very privileged place. <coughs> excuse me, of um, you know, off street sex workers, um, and you know, I'm white passing. Uh, Riley is a identifies as a white person, so you know, we come from a privileged place, and that's important to note that our experiences can be vastly different from others. Um, but for myself, I want to be properly represented. And um, so anyone who's like dated me, like they, they get, they're going to get the rundown pretty early on. But like Riley said, from like an argument place, um, yeah, that you're a whore or you're unlovable, that will come up a lot. they so mm-hmm. will be like, no one's going to date you. Like, look at you, you're, you're a stripper, you're an escort. No one's going to date you after me. Um, mm-hmm. So that kind of gets thrown around a lot. I found, um, in the larger scheme of things, you know, the typical drug and alcohol abuse, like you guys must have a dependency problem on something, Mm. um, which, I mean, I rarely ever drink. Don't do any drugs. Riley is not a big drinker either. Side beer every (laughs) once in a while. So, um, and I think part of that might be subconsciously me trying so hard to be the opposite of what people are going to try to paint you as. And because even if you do have one drunk night, you're that drunk stripper, you know, you're that drunk Mm. mess, um, which is unfortunate. So I'm not a big drinker at all. And, um, that you have a bad family or no family. Um, that's another thing people say a lot. And, um, you know, I see my family every, every Sunday, Monday night, I go spend card like card night with them. And Riley's very close to her family as well. So, um, that's just another stigma we get a lot. Um, unlovable thing comes up a lot. But then I always like to throw out that um, Lisa Sparks. I don't know if you're familiar with her. She's a porn, porn actress. Uh, she held the record for most amount of men she slept with in 24 hours. I think she did in 12 hours and it was 919, I think. Um, and she's been happily married for like 20 plus years. Uh, so I always like, well, if Lisa Sparks can do <laughs> <into> it, can do it. And then, yeah, that we're all victims too is another one um, that gets tossed around a lot that we didn't choose this um, it's a last mm. resort. Um, and people, you know, people say the running joke that sex worker stripping is just like metric for failure in our society. You know, if I fail this class, I'm going to be a stripper. If I get kicked out of this job or get fired, I'm going to be a stripper mm. um, as if it's like a last resort thing. So I think that could be very frustrating for a lot of us that like, no, we get to flourish in this job and we get to mm. have, use a lot of great skills and we get to have a lot of autonomy. Great money, <laughs> great schedule, meet great people. Yeah. Um, gets overshadowed a lot.
2: Yeah.
0: I mean, I think that's one of the things that I've, I've, you know, one of the many things that I've taken from doing this podcast is since we began, whatever, four or five years ago, my like, my growing list of friends that are in, that work as sex workers in some form or fashion, like, The one thing that I, the the sentiment that I hear from all of them is just how empowering that work is and, and can be. And that's one of those things where, you know, not to like throw my dad under the bus, but like if I think about my dad and the way he probably thinks about sex workers, it's like, he probably doesn't think about it that way. You know, he probably doesn't look at it from that perspective, um, and I feel like there's there, you know, there's like a a pretty large portion of the population who probably also don't really stop and consider it to to be a form of work that could be really empowering and really like beautiful and flourishing, like you said. Um. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's it it's which is which is really like super unfortunate. It, like where do, where where are there any are there any places in the world that you know of that are that. That culturally view sex work in a in a very different light and and you know legally view sex work in a in a different light uh, for the better.
1: Yeah, well, a comment on what you just said there. I agree with you that sex work can be very empowering, but I think it's also something to note that sex work is one of the only jobs I know for people like have this demand for it to be powering to justify it um, you know, it's like, Ooh. that's one of the first things people will ask you is like, well, are you empowered? It's like, you're not going to ask your coffee barista if she's empowered by, you know, making that latte. Like we don't have this like right. demand on other jobs, you know, and just like anything. Yeah. It can be great. And it can be empowering. And I'm happy to hear that a lot of your sex worker friends have said that and voiced that. Cause that's great. that They're empowered. Um, but it can also be really shitty sometimes, you know, there's days where you're like, damn, I don't yeah. want to be at work today. Or like that client was an asshole.
0: Yeah. Um, work, work is work I, is work is work. Yeah.
1: 100% but I do think that it is um, out of the vast amount of work um, opportunities I do think sex work is at the top of the list or one of them of the most empowering besides mm-hmm. you know maybe like curing kids cancer you know like <laughs> I'll give that one they can have the top um, but no I think like from I'm, I'm not very traveled I'll admit that I've been in school for too long and I've been like stuck where I am but I always hear Europe are much much more understanding of nudity and um, Mm. that could be a total lie and just what I see in movies (laughs) but Riley what do you think I'll let you speak every once in a while Um,
4: (laughs) I'm here (laughs) Uh, no I New Zealand I'm pretty sure sex work including prostitution is legal in New Zealand like you don't have any Uh, or is at least decriminalized Mm. but I I, there's definitely still that stigma it's always like that um, the hooker on kind of K road we call it it's like the the bad place of town that you go to find prostitutes and stuff it's very like uh, on street sex work is kind of the idea that people go to when they talk about sex work as opposed to like, you know, as, as Danica said, we work from a place of privilege and that we can always turn down a client or, you know, we don't, we don't need to do anything that we're uncomfortable with to pay rent. Um, so yeah, there's, there's definitely still a lot of stigma to it, even though it's, uh, legally not a problem. Mm. Uh,
0: we, we didn't really get into it, but Riley, what is your, what's your origin story and like what, what capacity do you, do you work in the industry, um, uh, yourself?
4: Um, I'm in, I'm in school at the moment, but apart from that, like I've made sex work my full-time job, um, for the past two years. Uh, I originally started doing topless poker dealing as kind of a side hustle to, uh, working at a brewery and, uh, being in school and it just kind of, I met some really great women through it who then introduced me to a strip club that I started working at. And then slowly I became more confident, confident in it. And I just dropped my other jobs because you know, you get to choose your own hours. Uh, the money's really good. I'm managing to be in school and still paying my bills on like sometimes one day a week of work. I mean, the pre-COVID, of course. But um, yeah, I, yeah, I just sort of fell into it via the people that I knew.
0: Where does topless poker take place?
4: Everywhere. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah.
3: <laughs> in your own backyard. <laughs> <We're everywhere. laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I love that. Wherever love- you were. Yeah, it-
4: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was like, um, I mean, we would just get an email asking who was available for a time and a place and you would just kind of apply, uh, which is why I ended up working in the club Is the, topless poker dealing wasn't consistent enough to make it my full-time job but yeah working this industry you you start to walk around uh streets and you're like oh there's definitely like a strip lounge in there that no one talks about this place definitely has parties (laughs)
0: like oh Oh, okay so i'm sorry i'm sorry i'm like i'm i am because i am actually quite fascinated about this because i i didn't realize this was a thing um how do you how did you find how how did you find what was the first? How top? did you know that was? a Yeah, name? how did you know that was a job? Like, how do you, how do you go? Eh, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna deal tonight, but with my top off. Like like I
1: would just safely assume that anything a woman's doing, she's gonna make more money topless. So you got <laughs> oh, yeah, like topless bartending, topless poker, you know, like, there's 100%. you know topless housemaids.
3: Like.
0: Right. Okay. Yeah. Is it, like, is it like a was it like a, a you know a, a, an equivalent to like a Craigslist Craigslist ad or like how do you how did you find that work?
4: Um, so, a girlfriend of mine recommended of this yeah. sort of work to me. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Um, but I have actually seen the ads on Craigslist. So, yeah,
0: okay. uh, right. maybe yeah. have a look. You know? Right. Okay. okay.
2: Jeremy, maybe you should get a few gigs.
0: Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, <laughs> I, I, I make a killing topless you killing. Know, I'm sure.
2: <laughs> there's so hmm. much more. Um, I, I think this is to be true, but there's so much more um, representation of sex work. In the media, like in like entertainment media, like film mm. and television these days, um, and I'm wondering, you know, you've seen it, I'm sure. I'm wondering what your thoughts are. Like, who's doing a really good job, or where they, where is it really out to left field? Like, what do you think would make a really, uh, an accurate represented like uh, character in in a show um, that was a sex worker without it without it having to be like. This is about this person who's a sex worker, you know. But it—it's just something that they, that they, that they are, co- um, not coincidentally, but that's what I'm looking for. Uh, additionally, or additionally, yeah, sure,
1: yeah. <laughs> Why not? Um, few mm-hmm. do a good representation of it. Um, a lot of them are either in comedies as like, oh, you fuck the stripper, or yeah. oh my god, dead hooker joke, things like that. Unfortunately, it, it blows my mind when I see it in 2021, still like coming up like that, like this, literally this joke is still a thing. Um, so that, or it's a way to like progress the storyline. Um, and they're always like drinking, or they're always single mother, or they're always like needing some guy to save them, um, or the Hustlers movie, um, which I know is loosely based on true events, but it just like, me and Riley and a few of our friends out there, and just like one of the, yes, that does happen, right? Like the Hustler movie was a true based on true events of women taking advantage of drunk men,
3: mm-hmm.
1: which is funny because you'll never hear like, oh, he shouldn't have been drinking then, which I find <laughs> interesting. We don't victim blame when a guy gets robbed by a by a hooker, um, but that's you know a whole other podcast I can argue about that. But um, the the danger of always presenting them like that is you're kind of dehumanizing them and you're making it okay to harm them, right? It's like, oh, well, she robs people and she she drugs men. Like, so, you know, who cares if we beat her up or who cares if we kill her? Um, can be super harmful. Um, and then you know, our laws come into play and make it worse. Um, I know P-Valley, a lot of people have talked about P-Valley. Um, me and Riley are not well-versed on it. So that's one of our goals is to watch P-Valley and report back on, on its representation. But I've heard um, kind of mixed reviews on how it does represent Certain types of clubs. Um, I remember, I think it's like not CSI, but it's one of those like crime scene shows where it's like the special units and there's like a clip and it goes around like the sex work community every once in a while. And the girl who was attacked was a stripper and she's talking to the investigator and she's like, you know, I don't, you know, he won't be prosecuted. Like I'm a stripper. And the gentleman who's investigating is like, it doesn't matter what you do, you're still human. And like, that it's so rare that that's like the only one I could think of that constantly gets circulated as like whoa like they said something right about strippers for once
0: also funny Um, that it's one of those shows you know because like that's the show that you anticipated to be the bullshit yeah Um, so interesting yeah that's really interesting
1: yeah um Riley what about you
4: i mean yeah i I echo a lot of what you said, including the hustles movie, like if it's not if we're not the victims of a movie, we're still the villains in some capacity you know we're we're scammers, we're liars, uh we drug men, anything like that, but you know stripping is such a a strange job because everyone thinks that it's really exciting all the time and if there was a movie about actual strippers it would be really boring (laughs) everyone would be sitting in the dressing room for like 85% of the movie yeah and then eating fries bitching about the guys exactly (laughs) complaining about people like complaining there's not enough money going around like it it would be very boring and I think it's a really easy job to like blow up to be like exciting like you
1: never hear like an exciting movie about like an accountant you know Mm -hmm. yeah I want I want the the um change room scene where she's like bending over like can you see my tampon string (laughs) oh my boyfriend (laughs) you know like I want the real I want the real locker room talk (laughs) (laughs) yeah
2: Uh, who I have to ask this um from from like perpetuating all of the stigma for like for allowing that representation representation to remain sort of in that sort of um that that tone. Who benefits from that? Who benefits from like keeping sex work uh, like a dangerous job?
1: Um I think a lot of people do, to be honest. I think it gives a scapegoat to certain people to say, you know, I might be a slut, but at least I don't get paid for it. Like her Mm -hmm. Or, you know, I might with this, but at least I'm not a hooker or even internal stigmatization. You see it a lot, too. Um, I think it helps the Johns out that come to sex workers. Um, I think it helps men in general because they get to demand that sex be free (laughs) and that they never have to pay for it. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it I think it benefits a lot of people's like internal horror phobia you know, Mm. that is so prevalent and alive and well, unfortunately. Uh, Riley, what are your thoughts?
4: Yeah, I mean, I completely agree. I think it gives the media uh, a scapegoat as well. Like uh, I work at a club in Vancouver and, you know, to circle back to the stigma of uh, sex workers that we're all dirty um, and that we're diseased or whatever you want to call it. Um, which is absolutely not the case like i for the women that I know who are in full service uh sex work um or or prostitution they're getting regularly uh tested probably you know every they have a standing order for every six weeks mm-hmm. and they're getting their throat swabbed for stis as well It's like when's the last time that Brad at the bar got an STI check like mm-hmm. <laughs> I just, yeah, it's, it's our job to protect our body and, and be healthy. Um, but you know, when, when COVID came out or even made his debut, uh, mm-hmm. there was a lot of talk from, um, Bonnie Henry about how we need to be really careful about how we talk about people who've had COVID outbreaks or businesses that have had COVID outbreaks. And then lo and behold, like a week later in the media, it was, um, COVID outbreak at local strip club, yeah. address, pictures, yeah. like everything. And it was just, and then of course that led to a bunch of comments being like, well, they are diseased anyway. No one at, at this club had tested positive. Like I tried to go get tested. Uh, they wouldn't even test me because I wasn't working on that night. Um, all of my friends who got tested, everything came back negative. It was, I, A couple of people who flew in from Toronto, didn't Mm. quarantine, and went straight to the strip club. And that's the only place that was named. And it was really unfortunate that they just put all that stigma on us so that when you talk about future places, it's not so big. But I don't, I mean, I don't know anyone who would go straight from an airport to a hotel to a strip club. Like there's usually a bar or a dinner or an uber like there's there's something else and nothing mm. was else was named and it was just it was such a shame how the media uh kind of handled that
2: is that laziness
0: or no, you- I, no I don't think it's laziness i think it's i think it's sensationalism it's like it's clickbait you know there yeah that- i also think no go ahead danny sorry to-
1: <laughs> i think it's also just um it works in their political agenda right because mm-hmm. then they have enough of that backing and they go see this is why sex work should be criminalized because mm-hmm. look like mm-hmm. remember that covid outbreak that happened at that dirty strip club mm-hmm. um, where the guy you know didn't even go to a hotel he just stayed there <laughs> like all week um, so yeah I think it's very like it really feeds into their kind of end goal mm-hmm. um, of painting this um this certain kind of image um, which we're seeing now, unfortunately, with the terrible Atlanta shootings.
3: Um, mm-hmm. You know, there's very
1: little mention. There's a lot of mention about their race um, and how it was like a racial attack, but very little comment on <clears throat> on it being a sex worker. Because, and this is in our sex work community, we talked about it a bit. And one of our our theories is because it's you know, and it should be, but it's like the right thing to get behind. Um, like racially um, targeted crimes like that. You should get behind that, Mm -hmm. but the media doesn't want to get behind sex worker targeted crimes. That's not, that's not cool. So now they're kind of like, Oh, we won't mention that part. Mm -hmm. Like, Mm -hmm. um, so I know that the sex work community has been talking about that a lot. How as much as yes, we should talk about anti-Asian crimes. And that's unfortunately very prevalent right now. and something we should really be addressing. um, There's a second aspect of that situation that is completely being ignored by the media. Mm. Um, and I Did think it's, yeah, I think it's on the same train of thought.
2: Did you see that LA times, um, uh, piece, uh, by Tracy Kwan and it said, don't forget the Georgia shootings are a hate crime against sex workers. And I think she herself is a sex worker. She's an Asian Asian sex worker, I believe I, when I was reading that, I was like, okay, this is really interesting perspective on, on exactly what you're saying. Just mm. like, we can't ignore the fact we can't just like pick the parts here that there's a lot, there's a lot more going on than, than the, the people want,
1: want to be talking about. Definitely. It's a and really I think good- It's unfortunate though, that um, you'll often see the only times that like sex workers rights or, or anything like that, or comments or articles like she's made, it's usually a sex worker doing it. It's like, it's right. often oftentimes you see a square fighting for sex workers, representation or sex workers conversation or, um, so I else so, to note. <laughs>
2: yeah. Well then on that note, what, like, what do you think in terms of in the wake of, of, of that tragedy and other acts of violence that are like happening in and around on the same theme, both race and, and on sex workers, what do you think the squares, um, who, who like hear this and are like, I'm maybe like not directly affected because I'm not a social worker and I'm not racialized, but like, what do you think for for us for the squares? Um, our role, like our the most, like help that we can be. Whether it's like I I'm gonna sh- like sh- spread the word about this L.A. Times article that's written by someone whose you know voice should be heard in this conversation. And um, but yeah, people who don't have a podcast as well. Like what what do we do to help help our friends in the in the sex industry be like safer when they're going to work
1: i was gonna get like that riley go for once
4: <laughs> <laughs> i was just going with the pattern like <laughs> um i mean the thing that would help us absolutely the most is decriminalization of sex work and, and proper representation of sex work would be the two ultimate things. And I think that's, you know, I jumped onto Danica's podcast, sort of Never Left, and there's been a real um, pride in breaking down what people thought a sex worker was. Mm. Um, you know, both me and Danica have uh, education. You know, she's finished her degrees. Uh, I'm currently taking statistics which is not like your typical degree and there's some real pride behind not being that typical that typical stripper and you get that all the time in the club is oh like i wouldn't have expected you to be a stripper like what are you doing in the sex work industry um so yeah i think people being more open about it and open about their engagement with sex work as well, uh, would definitely help. But ultimately decriminalization
1: is, is where it's at. Mm. I definitely agree with you. And also going forward with decriminalization, um, potentially unionizing, having labor laws. That's one of the reasons why, um, I personally choose to use sex work as an umbrella term because it acknowledges the work aspect of sex work. Mm. Um, so having proper labor laws, um, are huge because, you know, me and Riley have both, both witnessed it, you know, girls being kicked out of the club are fired uh, for no reason other than the manager just didn't like them or another girl didn't like them. And she had more pull with the managers um, that, and me and Riley have talked about this before. Um, there is like a level of anxiety you live with when you don't have workers rights <laughs> or labor mm. laws that protect you from potentially losing your job suddenly, randomly one day. And, um, so that's a huge thing too that I know a lot of us um fight for and wish for um mm. having that.
0: Um <clears throat> uh Danny and Riley, 50 plus a tip podcast. Uh how can people find what you guys are up to? Uh follow along. Um give our give our listeners a little a little uh shameless plug. <laughs> uh
1: yeah, so 50 plus a tip. On Instagram so that's like five zero plus a tip or you can email me at five zero plus a tip at gmail.com um I just use that Instagram now so yeah.
4: you can find me through Danica or at my own uh Instagram Ben City Riley um yeah, I pop up on the podcast. She doesn't like to admit it, but I'm like a part-time co-host. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. She's so regularly now, I uh, <laughs> get rid of her. Um, you can and you it, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like and what are you a message? when you come over this. Um also thank you for that comment because now we're probably gonna get a message from some square being like Danica's Riley's pimp. Didn't you hear you can get you can book Riley through Danica? <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh fuck this has (laughs) been this has been really fun you guys thanks for taking time out of your day to sit down and chat with us and we hope yes uh, thank you so much for having us start tuning in yeah thanks a lot
1: yes thank you all right
0: all right there we go that was our conversation with Danny and Riley from 50 plus a tip
2: well, I, it definitely inspires me to look up a little more about, I I'm re- really am very curious about the, about the future of sex work. I, I'm wondering if we'll ever, you know, bring it around to the century we're in where it's a viable, you know, something that always stood out to me is anybody, anybody who says, you know, that, that the thing about if you think that like exchanging your body for money is different mm-hmm. for sex work versus most of our jobs that are, are we are, we do sell our, our bodies or like what our bodies can do. Yeah. Our bodies are breaking down at work all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, you know, anyway, that always comes up. If, if, if I want to know whether we'll ever be able to look at sex work as.
0: I wonder if religion never existed, if sex work would never have been bastardized, bastardized right. or like vilified.
2: When I looked at Bill thirty six to see what the like what it says, it, it 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 does insinuate. It says that it wants to reduce the demand for sex work. I'm like, how are you going to do that? Mm. Because it seems like it definitely f- it, it's a role that needs yeah, to exist.
0: That needs to, to exist. Yeah, I, I saw. I, I again, like a headline warrior. I don't read fucking anything, but I saw a headline the other day that said that uh, countries where religion is like prevalent within the culture. Um, have a higher, tend to have a higher wage gap between, mm. like the the male to female wage gap is is a lot higher, really. And it made me just kind of sit and think, like, hmm, I wonder, like, I wonder how, uh, I wonder what are what are all the ways that that religion has had a effect on culture. I mean it's so many fucking ways. But like what are the ways that it's had an effect on culture that we might not have like really thought about or or realized or that you might not typically think about or realize? But uh a
2: lot. Yeah, yeah. for sure And that's sure. that's
0: I'm I'm not here shitting on religion. I mean And I'm not not shitting on religion either. So <laughs> I, I'll just leave that at that.
2: The thing that Carrie Isham said last, last week about the personal shame being mm. behind a lot of legislation yeah. like, and, peop- and legislators um, really kind of blew my mind when I thought about it. Yeah. Especially, you know, talking about trauma and sexual trauma and the more and more and more and more we talk about it, the more and more we realize how most people... Have experienced either some yeah. kind of trauma or some kind of sexual trauma. And it's just like, we're all walking around fucking traumatized, <laughs> trying to make up rules to protect each other yeah. from, you know, it's a little misguided. And I think Carrie was right in terms of our, we got to heal, really, yeah. like heal this, this stuff. And I know religion plays a lot of part in, in shame. Oh yeah. So, yep. So there's that.
0: A lot of, a lot of, a lot of shit comes with religion.
3: Yeah.
0: Um. All right. Well, that's another podcast for another that's day.
2: That's our next podcast.
0: Yeah. Oh, God. Uh, no.
2: Other conversations that people don't want to have.
0: <laughs> uh, that is it for this week. Thank you guys. Uh, thank you all. Thank you, gang. Thank you, folks, for tuning in. We appreciate all of you, especially our patrons. We appreciate you more than anyone else. Uh, Everyone else takes (laughs) a back seat compared to you. (laughs) You sit up in the front with us. And uh, if you want to support the podcast, uh, help this this project to keep chugging along. We're an independent podcast. It's just the two of us uh, with a we you know with a handful of people that have really supported over the years. But um, but uh, that consistent
2: Patreon uh, monthly. Uh, subscription
3: is um,
0: really important for us very, very, uh, to keep things important. going. So thank you all for your support. And if you want to support patreon.com slash termion. And if you want to reach out to us, you can do that by
2: email Turn me on podcast at gmail.com. You can also DM us on Instagram at On podcast. We sometimes yeah. check it, yeah. but mostly email. Um, you can reach out to us for any reason. If you want to be on the show, if you think someone should be on the show, if you have any thoughts, you just want to say hi, we like it. Uh, that's pretty much it for our social media, I think.
0: Yeah, I think so. Uh, that is it for this week. Until next week.
2: Go lovingly touch yourself.
0: hmm <laughs>